Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the Word, and be in prayer. Welcome to Turning Point. You can experience different kinds of loneliness in different situations. But few have experienced it more deeply than the prophet Jeremiah. Today, Dr. David Jeremiah begins the series, Overcoming Loneliness, with a profile of the man who is called the weeping prophet, yet gives believers reason to rejoice. Here's David to introduce today's message, The Lonely Servant. I've often uh, enjoyed telling everybody that today it's Jeremiah on Jeremiah. David Jeremiah talking about the prophet Jeremiah. And um, I will have a good time doing that because we're going to talk about what it means to be a lonely servant. Uh, Jeremiah knew what that was like. And uh, as he saw what was happening to his beloved city, he wept with passion. And we are able to look into his soul. We'll talk about that in just a moment as we discuss the lonely servant. But, you know, this is a new month, and I have a very special uh, resource I want to tell you about. Uh, it's a beautiful gift book called God Has Not Forgotten You. He is with you even in uncertain times. Uh, I gave this book uh, this last week to a very sophisticated person. I can't tell you the person's name. They got back to us yesterday and said, this is the most beautiful book I have ever received. I think it's beautiful because it's designed wonderfully with all kinds of bright, beautiful colors. But it's more beautiful to me because it's got 190 pages of comfort and encouragement for when you feel alone. It's a great reminder of God's faithfulness during challenging times. And uh, it's yours for a gift of any size during the month of August. This is a beautiful gift book. I hope you'll give us the opportunity to send it to you. I know you'll, en you'll enjoy it. You'll share it with others. You'll return to it over and over again throughout the rest of your life. So please ask for your copy of the book, God Has Not Forgotten You, when you send your gift to Turning Point during the month of August. Let's get started with today's lesson, The Lonely Servant. There are different kinds of loneliness that people face, and many of you hear illustrations of the various types. There's a kind of loneliness that comes to a person when they have lost a loved one, and maybe that's the kind that touches us at the deepest core of our life. Some of you have, in this past year, lost someone in your immediate family, maybe a husband, a wife, children, grandparents, and there's an aching loneliness in your heart as the result of that. 
There's a kind of loneliness that comes from being sent away from your friends. Missionaries speak of that often. What it's like to be on the other side of the world and to face crises when there's no one there to help you and nobody in your family who is close to you who understands what you're experiencing. And I've heard missionaries write about that. But one kind of loneliness that's often overlooked when people speak of the subject is the kind of loneliness that can take place in the midst of a large crowd that can be present in the life of a person surrounded by individuals and even by people that he loves. And that's the kind of a loneliness that comes to people who have been called to stand alone and serve alone and have answered the call. Now, in a measure, this message is for leaders, but in another sense, it's for everyone because all of us as Christians, someplace in our life, will be called to take a position that is unpopular and does not meet with the approval of the majority. And we will feel very much alone, and we will identify with the man whose life we're going to look at, a man who for 50 years carried on a public ministry alone and unappreciated. He watched through the reign of five different kings some terrible things happen to the people that God had called him to minister to. He saw dissensions come and tear his people apart from within. He watched as disorder reigned among his nation. He saw disturbing social problems rise up in his day. He looked on as discontent and despair seemed to be the mood of his generation. He ministered as the prophet of God in the land of Judah, as an unpopular, opposed, condemned, ridiculed, and scorned man. On one occasion, he was stoned, thrown out of his own hometown. On another occasion, he was beaten up in public disgrace. On still another occasion, he was imprisoned, and once he was thrown into a pit and left there for dead. In fact, he wrote a whole book of funeral poems to describe his lamentations at the destruction of the holy city. We call that book the Lamentations of Jeremiah. If you haven't read it recently, you read it and you'll get a picture of the lonely, hurting man we call Jeremiah the prophet. Now, Jeremiah ministered during the last 40 years of Judah's history from the 13th year of Josiah to the destruction of the nation. And in my estimation, he's the loneliest man to walk across the pages of the Old Testament. And I'd like to help you understand why he was so lonely. If you have your Bibles and your notebook, you may want to write some of these passages down as we turn back and forth through the books of Jeremiah and Lamentations and read the heart of this weeping prophet. What caused him to be alone and to hurt, first of all, was this. He was depressed by the decline of his nation. Turn in your Bibles to chapter 5 of Jeremiah and read in your Bibles as I read from mine verses 30 and 31. Jeremiah 5, 30 and 31. An appalling and an horrible thing is committed in the land. Listen now. The prophets prophesy falsely and the priests bear rule by their means and my people love to have it so. Jeremiah said, the prophets prophesy falsely and the priests are using their office to get gain. And the sad and tragic thing as I look from my prophet's role is this. 
that the people who are responding to the priests and the prophets like it the way it is. The corruption and the decline is to their fancy. In the 8th chapter of the book of Jeremiah in the 20th verse, we see the prophet speaking in a verse of scripture that is often consigned just to missionary text, but it's not just a missionary text. It's the heart cry of a prophet who cried out in chapter 8 and verse 20 that the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Jeremiah looked out over his nation and what he saw was a whole generation of backslidden people who had fallen away from their godly moorings and had walked a road away from God and the nation was in decline. In fact, one of the prominent words in the book is the word backslide. Notice in chapter 2 and verse 19. Thine own wickedness shall correct thee and thy backslidings shall reprove thee. Chapter 3 and verse 6. The Lord said unto me also in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? Verse 8. And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorcement. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. Verse 22. Return ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. Chapter 5 and verse 6, Wherefore a lion out of the forest shall slay them, and a wolf of the evening shall spoil them. A leopard shall watch over their cities. Every one of them that goeth out shall be torn in pieces, because their transgressions are many, and their backslidings are increased. Chapter 8 and verse 15, we looked for peace, but no good came, and for a time of health, and behold, trouble. <laughs> Chapter 14 in verse 7. O Lord, though our iniquities testify against us, do it for thy name's sake, for our backslidings are many. We have sinned against thee. Here was Jeremiah, the righteous prophet of God, watching as his nation, to whom God had called him, was going down and down and down in decline. It didn't change his preaching. He preached judgment unto the people. And he knew when he went into that ministry that they would not hear him. But imagine the righteous heart of a man of God who's crying out against the, the unrighteousness of his people. And they don't respond. And he watched the nation as it goes and goes and goes to an all-time low. Lord Macaulay, who was a British historian wrote these words about somebody else, but they fit the man, Jeremiah. Listen to what he said. He said, It is difficult to conceive any situation that is more painful than that of a great man condemned to watch the lingering agony of an exhausted country, to tend it during the alternating fits of stupefaction and raving which precede its dissolution, and to see the symptoms of vitality disappear one by one until nothing is left but coldness and darkness and corruption. And Jeremiah watched that happen in his nation. And he was a lonely man. Number two, Jeremiah was lonely because he was disheartened by the disinterest of the people. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. He spent a lot of time in tears. We read of those tears in the ninth chapter in verse 1. 
Oh, that my head were waters and mine eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Chapter 13 and verse 17. But if ye will not hear it, my soul shall weep in secret places for your pride, and mine eyes shall weep bitterly and run down with tears because the Lord's flock is carried away. Jeremiah said, you won't listen to what I'm saying. You won't hear the judgment of God that I'm preaching, and all I can do in response to that is to cry and to weep. Chapter 14 and verse 17. Therefore thou shalt say this word unto them, Let mine eyes run down with tears night and day, let them not cease. For the virgin daughter of my people is broken with a great breach and with a very grievous blow. If you'll turn over to the book of Lamentations in the first chapter and verse 2, you will see the same theme again. She weepeth bitterly in the night, and her tears are on her cheeks. Among all her lovers she hath none to comfort her. All her friends have dealt treacherously with her. They are become her enemies. Chapter 2, verse 11. Mine eyes do fail with tears. Mine heart is troubled. My liver is poured out upon the earth for the destruction of the daughter of my people because the children, the suckling swoon in the streets of the city. Chapter 2 and verse 18. Their heart cried unto the Lord, O wall of the daughter of Zion. Let tears run down like a river day and night. Give thyself no rest. Let not the apple of thine eye cease. As Jeremiah concerned himself with the judgment of the people of Israel and the destruction ultimately of the city, all he could do was cry. And the tears ran down from his eyes as he poured out his heart in preaching, and nobody listened. And then along with that, he was distressed by the desertion of his friends. Is it true that Jeremiah stood alone? Well, the scripture testifies to that fact. First of all, he was deserted by his enemies who prayed for his defeat. In Lamentations 1, 20 and 21, we read these words, Behold, O Lord, for I am in distress. My heart is troubled, mine heart is turned within me, for I have grievously rebelled. Abroad the sword bereaveth, at home it is like death. They have heard that I sigh, and there is none to comfort me. All mine enemies have heard of my trouble. They are glad that thou hast done it. And back in the 15th chapter of Jeremiah, in verses 17 and 18, are some sad and lonely words. I sat not in the assembly of the mockers, nor rejoiced. I sat alone because of thy hand. For thou hast filled me with indignation. Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuseth to be healed? Wilt thou be altogether unto me like a liar and like waters that fail? He was deserted, all alone, standing in the breach of a nation that was deteriorating, crying out what God had called him to preach. No one heard him. No one listened. And the friends who should have been there to encourage and comfort him had deserted him. He was all by himself. And you can feel the ache of his heart as he writes the words we have read. He came finally to the place where he was ready to quit and to give up. Read with me the 20th chapter of the book of Jeremiah, verses 14 through 18. All of us at one time or another have had a day like this day. I don't know what it was that finally was the last blow, but one day Jeremiah woke up and it was too much for him. And he felt sorry for himself and he cried out 
in the words that we're about to read from Jeremiah 20, verses 14 through 18. Cursed be the day on which I was born. Let not the day on which my mother bore me be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought tidings to my father, saying, A male child is born unto thee, making him very glad. And let that man be like the cities which the Lord overthrew and repented not. And let him bear and the cry in the morning and the shouting at noontime, because he slew me not from the womb, that my mother might have been my grave, or her womb to be always great with me. Why came I forth out of the womb to see labor and sorrow, that my days should be consumed with shame? Wow. That guy has hit bottom. He says, I'd like to curse the man who came and told my father that I was here. Cursed be the day on which I was born. I wish I'd have stayed in my mother's womb and that had been my grave. I curse the day I ever came forth into this world. I'm so discouraged and so lonely and so down and so depressed. I don't want to go on. I don't even like to think about the fact that I've been born. The same truth is found in the 15th chapter in verse 10. Woe is me, my mother, that thou hast borne me a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. I have neither lent on interest nor men have lent to me on interest, yet every one of them doth curse me. (laughs) I'm not even in money problems and still I hurt. And I think the epitome of Jeremiah's downward trend and his hurt is found in the second verse of the ninth chapter. There isn't a leader, probably not a person, who hasn't felt the emotion that's expressed in what Jeremiah says in the second verse of the ninth chapter. He writes, Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men, that I might leave my people and go from them, for they are all adulterers and an assembly of treacherous men. And what he's saying is this, I wish I could locate a Motel 6 out in the desert. And just go out there and run that thing and get out of all of this mess and all of these hassles. Get away from these people and just open up in the morning and let people stay there and go to bed at night. And wouldn't have any of this. I could just get it. Do you ever feel that way? But you know what? Jeremiah didn't quit. He didn't. He wanted to. I'm glad the Bible's recorded his emotion. Doesn't that make you feel better to know that a guy in the Word of God had those emotions? You know, sometimes people say that the Bible paints plastic men and straw people, but it doesn't. It paints them just like they are, real flesh and blood individuals who breathe just like we do and feel like we do. And I'd like to spend the rest of our time in Bible study trying to help you understand what it was that kept that man from throwing in the towel, why he didn't quit. I think it will help you. It sure has helped me. First of all, Turn in your Bibles to chapter 20 of Jeremiah and verse 9. And we see here at the beginning of this passage another kind of real emotion when you really get down. And some, if I can use this word, some temperaments are more like this than others. I don't know which ones are which, but I know that some temperaments have a tendency to do this more than others. Chapter 20, verse 7. O Lord, thou hast deceived me. And I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I and hast prevailed. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me. For since I spoke, I cried out. I cried violence and spoil because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Now, this is where Jeremiah comes in his own life. He said, okay, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep my big mouth shut. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not saying anything about the Lord. Notice, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak of him anymore. 
But notice, but his word was in mine heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I was weary with keeping quiet, and I could not refrain from speaking. Isn't that something? Jeremiah said, I was so discouraged and distressed with the fact that nothing was happening the way it should. I just came to the conclusion that I'm not going to speak about God anymore. I'm not going to preach judgment anymore. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And he said, I couldn't do it because the word of God was in my bones burning and I had to let it out. I just had to let go of it because it was there and it demanded to be heard. As Paul in the New Testament cried out, woe is me. If I preach not the gospel. Reason number one for Jeremiah's steadfastness when he wanted to quit is this. He had a conviction of his calling. He wanted to get out, but he couldn't. He wanted to quit, but there was something in him that drove him onward. And what that something was, was the fact that God had called him to this work. And put him in that place and given him a job to do and implanted his word within him. And no matter how he wanted to get away from it, he couldn't get away from the fact that he was where he was doing what God called him to do because God put him there. Do you remember his call? Flip back to the first chapter of Jeremiah. It's good to review it. Certainly this is something that must have been going around in the mind of Jeremiah at this time. Verse 5 of Jeremiah 1 The Lord is speaking and he's saying to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Verse 7, but the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Now I want you to notice in those three verses the prominence of the perpendicular pronoun, I In reference to the Lord. Now read those verses with me again. I formed thee. I knew thee. I sanctified thee. I ordained thee. I shall send thee. I commanded thee. See, that was the whole thing. Jeremiah knew he wasn't there by his own design or because he wanted to be. He was where he was because God had put him down there and said, Jeremiah, do this. I've had some great counsel from my preacher father in the days gone by for which I will always be grateful. But one of the things I remember he told me when I told him I thought God was calling me to preach was he said, David, if you can do anything else, do it. I thought that was a strange piece of advice coming from someone who had been praying all of his life that if it would be the will of God, he would call me into the ministry. But I understand what he meant. What he meant was this. If you can do anything else and be in the will of God, do it. Don't ever go into the ministry unless you're absolutely certain that that's where God has put you. And if you know that his call is upon your life, no matter what happens, you'll stay in it. One of the reasons why we have dropouts in the ministry is because a lot of people get in there who aren't really sure that's where they ought to be. And then when the test comes, the first temptation is to question your call. The problems are great and the pressure is on and you say, well, maybe God hasn't called me. That's an easy out, but it doesn't work if you know he has. You can't escape the call of God. And the reason that Jeremiah stayed true all through those years of ministry was because he had a conviction of his calling. Amen. Yes, it's true. Uh, There are days where if you're serving the Lord, 
the only reason you continue to serve the Lord is because you know he's called you to do it and you don't go AWOL on God. So it's important to know that you've been called. So don't forget, during the month of August, our special resource is the book, God Has Not Forgotten You. It's a beautiful gift book. It is filled with beautiful design and wonderful truth about the faithfulness of God. And we'll send this great book to you for your gift of any size during the month of August. You have to ask for it when you send your gift, but it's our privilege to send it to your home. I just know you're going to love this book, and I hope you allow yourself to get it. Send your gift. Do your best. And help us do what we're doing in sharing the love of God around the world. Don't forget, friends, we have some rallies coming up this fall, October the 5th in Tampa, Florida at the Yingling Center, October the 7th in Jacksonville, Florida at the Star Veterans Memorial Arena, October 26th in Houston, Texas at the Berry Center, and the 28th in Fort Worth, Texas at the Dickey's Arena. Now, these are all free but you have to have a ticket. And tickets are available at davidjeremiah.org slash tour. Once again, go to our David Jeremiah website. It's davidjeremiah.org slash tour. And there, order your tickets, and they'll be emailed to you. You'll have them, and you can be a part of any of these events. And you should be doing it now. We want to make sure we send these to you. We're back in the Raleigh business. I hope you will join us as we restart this engine uh, for the future. It'll be really fun. We have some great things planned, and I know that it will be a time of great encouragement and blessing. Well, hey, our time is gone. I'll see you tomorrow. We'll finish what we started as we talk about the lonely servant. Thanks for listening. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, Overcoming Loneliness, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's reassuring new book, God Has Not Forgotten You, a comforting reminder that God is working all things together for your good. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Get all the details when you visit our website at davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series Overcoming Loneliness here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. Former United States Senator Bill Bradley reached the top in sports as a Hall of Fame basketball player, in academics as a Rhodes Scholar, and in politics as a three-term senator from New Jersey. So when he says becoming number one is easier than remaining number one, we should probably heed his words. It's not easy to finish life well 
It takes a lot of diligence, perseverance, faith, and sacrifice. Our goal should be to say what the Apostle Paul said at the end of his life, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's ways to finish well on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.